Okay. We got Boigas in here, boys. There he is. I think this one's you, Justin. Oh, it should say GF on the top. So, do you guys remember the late 90s? Yeah. Well, I was there. Was that movie? This thing or was that the early 90s? I think it's mid 90s. No, shit 90s. So, after that. Uh-huh. Um, well, I uh, was picking up the books from my girl Jana yesterday, <laughs> and uh, for some reason, a song that I have never voluntarily listened to. Ever. I or, love you always forever. Nope, I've listened to that intentionally for sure. Um, got came out on your got stuck in my head. I've listened to it like 14 or 15 times in the last 36 hours, and I'm kind of ashamed of the song, but I think you'll all recognize it. Oh, yeah, I love Matchbox 20. Yeah? Yeah, I love this song. I love this song. Oh, come on. Roman, did you have uh, questionable musical taste in the uh, late 90s? Dude, this was like, I loved was, this album when I was a little kid. It was just always on Spokane Radio. Mm-hmm. This chorus is a f***ing banger. It's a bomb, dude. These were Jeff's birthday present. Weren't you here when we... Yeah. Roman was here, right? Wasn't he? Yeah. Jeff's birthday. How come this wasn't uh, Wallflowers? Because fuck that. You heard this cut? <laughs> I had this CD. Really? Absolutely. Lucky. Yeah. So wait. My mom bought it for me. I was just running around. I was like, I wish the real world would just stop hassling me. And I was like, oh, that's a song. What song is that? And it's a fucking banger. And now he starts talking about Superman. Podcast episode 116, where we divert a uh, conversation from whatever we were just talking about and actually have structured comic book conversations with uh, ambient goofs radiating from the center it outward. Smells like old shoes. <laughs> where every Tuesday we pick up a bunch of comic books, we get real excited about them, we say hi to Jan, and we bring them back to our comic shop. We count them, sort them, love them. We take them home after we've gotten all pumped about them. We read them like a bunch of real excited chipmunks with little rat fingers, and then we bring those. Those rad fingers back down here, Marty. And we uh, we engage in a variety of tangents, either related to or unrelated to the books, our shop, or the comings and goings of our lives. I'm Marty. I'm Django. Well, I guess. All right, all right, all right, all right. I'm Marty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Ben. Oh, ben. I'm, looks like we got ourselves a guest cast. I'm, I'm Marty. Who's my Rick? 
I don't know who this coward who is. Who let him in this weird old Buick? <laughs> <laughs> Get out of my Buick. No, listen, everybody, <laughs> come here. It's January 23rd the on 23rd this day. The 23rd of January. Which means that Justin and Jeff have cracked True Detective. It's Hamburglar. We got the burgers. Mm-hmm. We ate them. It was good. I saw Grimace dead in a trench. Oh, poor Grimace. His right, giant, all right, all right. giant purple corpse just sort of pear-shaped butt up in the alley. <laughs> I was going to say, gutter. do you guys know he has an ass? Grimace? Grimace has an ass. I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> they don't normally show that on TV. He was bleeding out of his bottom. <laughs> he had been hamburgled. <laughs> <laughs> Episode 116, what are we reading talking about Django? Well, let's talk about Batman number 63, The Wild Storm. Number 19, I guess. Yes, I was going to try and finger number that to you, and I I did this. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were dancing. I what is it? The, <laughs> insatiable Hulk? What's, what's it's the, insatiable. The Insatiable yeah, Hulk insatiable. number 12. Give me more. Uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer reboot number one. Reboot. That one's by Jordi Belair. Wrote that? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Guardians wow. of the Galaxy number one. Crypt of Secrets. Shadows. For crying out loud, Crypt of Shadows, number one. For cuss' sake. Uh, Naomi, number one. Uncanny X-Men Annual, number one. The Avant Guards, number one. Oliver, number one. And, uh, you know, maybe Shazam, number two, if we have time. Oh, we've got time. Or we'll make time. I'm time not making time with you. Like, Time's a flat circle. <laughs> Listen, Morty. <laughs> Listen, Morty. Time is a flat circle like a it's, big old beef disc. It's a construct. <laughs> um, like a Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> How many of those episodes are out so far? Three. Three. Three? I'm so far behind, I only watched one. Yeah. And so far, he's not even in it. I can't wait for him to show up. He shows up in three... Yeah, you know, after the whole particle collider thing shows up. Yeah. Matthew, I thought, Mc, Matthew McConaughey. Well, so they start the Higgs boson, and <laughs> after the particles <laughs> run into each other, there's a giant flash of light, and uh, Mahershala Ali becomes Matthew McConaughey. And okay. Like, it goes around, the, the Higgs boson... Around and round and round Like a and round. circle? Well, yeah, it's like too a flat. Like a, kind of like a more flat circle. Okay. It's disked out. So if you, if you take a this and you do with this... So what you guys are missing is sort of Justin's got his fingers up and he's gripping both of his, uh, his pointer fingers and thumbs together. He's got his three long ones holding out. And now he's sort of twisting it. Twisting oh. the plate. Yep. Circumnavigating. Yep. Circumnavigating. Kind of like what you do with a hush puppy. (laughs) (laughs) Batman 63. Django said he could talk for an hour alone about this book, so we'll try and save you all from that. What do you think he was talking about? I don't know, but let's get it. Let's get it unchained. Religion and politics. Oh, fuck. Uh... All right, so this issue kind of reveals what's been going on in the last few issues of Batman. Uh, And as as you're reading it, I think... I don't know about you guys, but before I got to the big reveal that Batman has been dreaming the last couple of issues. Well, kind of dreaming. Like, yeah, being forced to dream or hallucinate or have visions. um, I figured out that this was a dream, and then I went backwards from there and realized that the other ones were probably dreams. Did you you catch on to that, or did did that present itself for you? No. Okay. I read a pitch. 
of it, one of the issues calling it's calling itself a nightmare. Like the arc is called Dreams and Nightmares. So I was like, oh, sure. this is a dream. Yeah, it's part three. Yeah. It, I mean, it starts with a very familiar scene from number 50 where Batman's waiting for Catwoman and, and uh, with, with Alfred and the judge. And she actually shows up this time. Yeah, for a second I thought that that was actually happening. I was like, why are we yeah. here again? Did we lose time? Are yeah. we going back? Yeah, I thought it was a flashback. And, and how good is it that 13 issues after that – we we all knew, or at least Justin and I knew, that that was the same scene that was in number 50. Mm-hmm. Well, I knew that it was the same <clears throat> scene in number 50. I guess what didn't immediately present itself to me was the assumption that uh, the previous two issues were also linked to the Scarecrow. Um, that, yeah, that, I, I didn't, I didn't... I mean, obviously this one wasn't really happening, but... Uh, I had, I've been sort of thinking that, all right, this issue, there's some misperception about Scarecrow. In the previous issue, there was some misperception about uh, Pig. And the one before that was their misperception about that. I didn't assume uh, until you just said that, that all of this arc is going to be him stuck in a Scarecrow hypnosis. And I didn't, I don't remember exactly what it was before Constantine said that you're in a dream Induced by the, the right. fear gas. There was something that made me realize that... Is there a that, scarecrow reference? <clears throat> yeah. Something in here made me realize that it was uh, a dream. And it w- there, there's just a certain dreamlike quality to the whole thing where sometimes things are so perfect and sometimes things are terrible. And he's reliving things from his, uh, his, his recent past. And it, it just... It made me feel like I was dreaming. Yeah, it was disorientating like a dream and not in the way that you see normally in comics where they're like, whoa, you're upside down and there's pizza on the walls. (laughs) Yeah. Um, The one thing that was interesting to me was the way that uh, it it brought up this Two-Face moment, which harkens back to issue 38 when I think it was that, which is this was what I was going to ask you this morning. um, You remember when it was like that kid had done this murder, but he assumed it was Two-Face? Oh. And, like, because it was these balanced things and he was assuming it was a villain and not assuming it was this child or something, like, that to me was the reason Two-Face was in here. But then I was, as I was reading this, I was tr- struggling to try and remember which issue that was because if that was 38, that was, like, you know, almost 30 issues ago. Uh-huh. And I couldn't remember if that was for sure Tom King's run or I was like, was that detective? Or, like, it was It was like a half a year ago, whatever it was. It was Tom King's run, and Constantine mentions yeah. it in here where he says, why did the jail let Master Bruce kill those children? Mm-hmm. Although that was like two issues ago, right? When when the kid, that called the kid who's got Martha and Thomas right. on his... Uh, scarred into his face he kills those the right people in the jail. and i think that when he was tracking down that kid mm-hmm. he originally thought it was two-faced yeah. because there was some like balance nature to it he was thinking about things being balanced or nuanced so i guess this was so, so big that i i wasn't really i didn't sort of pull a single thing out of it like a, a singular there's there's theory. stuff in here that made me laugh and stuff in here that made me super, super sad. Just kind of how bad Bruce wanted that wedding to work mm-hmm. and having Catwoman as the, the common thread in this. Like, I felt like every time 
every time the scene changes in here, he's woken up just a little bit and he's going back to sleep and trying to get back into that dream because it, it starts with this amazing thing where she doesn't ditch him. And then they're on an island and they're in the same pose. And then they're in the rain on a gargoyle and they're in the same pose. And and it like I've had that dream before where you like you wake up and you're like, oh fuck, I gotta get back to sleep and finish yeah. that because that is awesome. Two nights ago. Yeah. And then also, like the rest of this story in the previous issues have been dreams that you want to get out of. Right? Like you find out that if I found out that one of my kids was actually Professor Pig, that would fuck up my whole day. <laughs> Maybe even my whole week would be kind of thrown by that. Yeah, like I had a dream once that I beat the shit out of Eli because he wouldn't turn the TV down, and it just turned out that I'd fallen asleep in front of the TV, and I couldn't wake up enough to ask him to turn it down. <laughs> and I thought that I had, but he, but I hadn't, and I was so mad. It and is tough working for Django because his immediate assumption is when you don't do what he's asking is that he does kind of beat the shit out of you a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the yeah. thing. Like I, I felt terrible about that. For days and Good, days and it's days. Harder and harder to hide the bruises. <laughs> <laughs> Roman, what did you think? I, I felt the same. I mean, I mean, I thought it was maybe some secret happiness we didn't know about him and Catwoman. Except then he starts. Bruce starts narrating, talking about this terrible dream with his mom. Kept following. That's Constantine's that's dream. Constantine's dream. Yeah, that's that's John's narration. Is his oh, mom. that's right, because I thought it was Bruce's mom until we got down here to a, and a cigarette in my hand. I was like, wait, yeah. Bruce has never smoked. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so it's Constantine. He's a good boy. Yeah, and this is wild. In some of those moments, like when he's showing Catwoman the clock entrance to the oh, Batcave. No. She's like, you know, it's not so healthy. And then it goes from that realistic to her making a joke yeah. about it, about the time. For me, I started to realize that there was something seriously fucked up because I don't think anyone would tell Bruce, don't set the clock for your parents' death. Like, I don't think Selena would tell Bruce uh, that. But Bruce would tell Bruce that, and that's yeah. what he's doing here. Yeah, that's true. Right, because it's, it's all in his head. Yeah. But I was like, there's something distorted here. This is not, you know, this is, he's he's in a dream within a dream. Yeah, there's that thing people say about, some people say about dreams, that everything in a dream is you. Yeah. Everybody, everything. I uh, I really like this. I've really liked, you know, the last two issues for, you know, for different reasons. I am excited for this arc to be done to make a type of sense that it doesn't necessarily right now for me. How the roles have reversed, Jeffrey. I mean, I still think it's like yeah, an 8.5. Yeah, dream thing. Yeah, that's <laughs> bizarre, yeah. That struck me after I read it. I was like, I can't believe I like this thing that yeah. is straight up dreams. This is the third issue in the dream series, mm -hmm. so we probably have two or three more. I thought it's he ten. said it was ten, yeah. It's ten issues. Ten issues ten of this? Issues? Yeah. yeah. Wow. It doesn't pick back <clears throat> up until 70. Which I mean, is why I was like, yeah, like, if this I, is three of ten, I okay, hope that but, it... But two of those are going to be a flash crossover. That's true. Right? So that's yeah. eight. And, and it's got to fit there's going to be a trade. true line. Because yeah. the solicitation for the question one is question... Bruce is, like, trying to get out of the dreams. Like, I think we're going to see a journey out of them. Okay. Um... Yeah, and I'm excited for the through line, I guess. I'm, but I'm just sort of ready for that part. My favorite thing is Tom King being episodic. Mm -hmm. And this, like like I said, this Batman run hasn't been, like, 
I don't think it's been great from the beginning, and I don't know if it's as well-conceived as it seems now. Like, I think he hit a point where where it started to click together on its own. For him? For him, yeah. yeah. I, I like this not making a type of sense because I think he gets a different type of logic than what, like, a solid plotting it. Like, this is the best, and it's the short little moments that don't make sense in the context of Batman at that restaurant. Was like when when he was at that fast food Batman mm-hmm. with that, the Robins. That's a totally irrational thing for a Batman <clears throat> comic, and that's when I was like, "Wow, he's doing something cool!" And I gave this book a chance. So seeing him do episodic things and something that is completely irrational for Batman, like the past three issues have been maybe my favorite of the series. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I would give this a ten. I assumed as much. Fine. <laughs> Well, then uh, I give it a a 10. I said 8.5. Yeah, yeah. I think it's very, very, very good. I'll give it a niner. Niner, niner. Niner, niner. Guys, what'd you think of Wildstorm number 19 by Warren Ellis and John Davis Hunt? I only read half of it before I got called into the dentist. I (laughs) loved it. This issue, I think for the benefit of the fans, and definitely for me as a fan, told you blatantly everything you needed to be told. It held your hand and it leaded you like, oh, this is the story. This is what I've been telling you this whole time. This is 19 issues in 20 pages. <laughs> yeah, I think like he was like, okay, fuck it. I'm just going to tell. And you see a timeline. You see he, yeah, he holds your hand through it. And some of the parts I picked up on, some I've lost. Like I said, I haven't read every single issue to my embarrassment because I did sub to two books in Spokane the whole time. This was one of them and Mr. (laughs) Miracle was the other. Uh, But it's so fucking cool and I can see why people are confused. There are a lot of layers going on here. Aliens have crash landed and messed with Earth for a long time. They were initially going to use them to, like Earth was a planet they these aliens scanned to make a slave race out of to cultivate them to a certain level to help them with their evolution because they want to go to another dimension. They're, like, bored of this plane and they want to go to another reality, so they need sentient beings to help them with that. And what we're seeing is those aliens running around that are really ugly. They're actually called daemons. They are what were perceived as cherubim Mm -hmm. in the old days. They have always been on Earth, and they're, like, spiritual intercessors that try to keep humanity balanced and keep them going towards good. So they're trying to prevent this from happening because they ultimately think that this whole alien cosmic scheme is going to fuck kill humanity. I really like how they've managed to take the absolute weirdo nonsense that those early image guys were writing and then the kind of middle cool stuff that they were writing like uh, Planetary mm-hmm. and Stormwatch and put all those together into something that is really, really good if maybe a little bit overly complex. Because having those those daemons and, and the all the, the aliens possessing people, that shit was weird back in the 90s. For sure. Right? And, and to make it, to kind of ground it in a series like this and make it all believable, I think is pretty special. And I'm glad he's taking his time doing it. Also, I'm really glad that they recapped everything in this because... yeah. I don't know what was happening at this point. There are a lot of threads. It's the best episode of Ancient Aliens I've ever seen. <laughs> it it was really impressive in the way that, like, it made me feel like 
I knew the whole story going on the whole time when I definitely didn't. Uh, I'll give this one a nine fiver. Nine or five. Yeah, I. This has been one of my favorite books since it's come out, um, and I really know why with this issue, and am able to like have it articulated to me why I like it so much. This would be my head pick for the week. Like my, I was like, wow, I'm impressed. Yeah, this is gonna make an amazing twenty four issue hardcover. And it will be so nice to be able to just sort of cruise through it. He in gives it, it 9.5. I always thought That's like, a Dolly Parton joke for oh, you boys. That was really good. <laughs> um, I want to talk briefly about Buffy number one from Boom Studios, written by Jordi Belair, art by Dan Mora. Django, you read this as well. I read part of it. I bailed um, because I couldn't get the dialogue voices to make any goddamn sense in my head. I would say that there were a couple balloons I had to read more than once because Mm -hmm. it is written so like those characters and Xander and Willow. So I was a huge Buffy fan when I was younger. I... There was a you know a year of my life where I only wear Buffy shirts. Uh, I mentioned that in the preview podcast. So I, big fan. But a thing about it is that it is so characteristically Joss Whedon dialogue. And yeah. there's these two characters that particularly uh, speak like him. This is somebody I think really effectively writing like Joss Whedon. But if you don't know those characters' voices, uh, it is hard to read these text bubbles because it's like... He writes in sort of like tongue-in-cheek word repetition way that is like, you know, kind of California call, or high school student, but it's supposed to be because that's where this is. That's exactly why I bailed. I, my thought right before I closed the book for the last time ever was this sounds like somebody doing a really good imitation of Joss Whedon's dialogue. Yeah. And, and it, I don't like it. For unless sure. Unless it's in space. And, uh, <laughs> and I, I'm just – I haven't been in, felt inclined to watch Buffy in a while. Like I loved it, but I, you know, it was, you know, a long time ago for me. This, so this is a reboot. It takes place like when she gets to Sunnydale and she becomes friends with Willow and Xander in this issue. But it happens in a totally different way than it happens in the show. Um, the first season of Buffy is not very good, and that show sort of got its legs and found its voice the further on it went. So this is really cool to get to see an alternate take on that sort of stuff. Uh, Anya is in this from the get-go. Drusilla is in here from the get-go. So it's very cool like that. There are items, like magical items that are in the back that you can see are from episodes. It's... It's just a very cool, I think it's for people if you've watched the show, and I don't know that it would stand up. If you haven't, it the doesn't. Art, yeah, the art, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't think for you. I think Sam would like this. Yeah, um, I, to and be she's fair, never I've, seen it. I've watched like an episode from every season, and it just never, I've, I've never been a big fan of it. There is no part of me that thinks that Buffy the Vampire Slayer is for Django Boren. Well, just just for that, I'm going to watch it <laughs> all, motherfucker. Um, and it's just cool, like, Dan Mora, who does the art in Claws, and he's done some Power Rangers right, yeah. stuff. Oh. Yeah, his art, like, I wasn't really into any of those extended season Buffy comics from, like, season eight on that have been coming out for the last, like, ten years. The art is not wasn't super great. It was dark horse. So the art in this looks so much like Giles and so much like Buffy, and it's it's you know it's popcorny, but it's it's really fun to get to engage with these characters in a new way that feels that familiar. Uh, I don't know how strong it stands outside of that, but if you are somebody who liked a thing 
and don't want to just have a reboot retread of it. Uh, or sorry, like just a retread of it. Like I don't, it's not an adaptation, but it's also not, um, you know, an entirely new Slayer with different characters. Like people have been talking about making a reboot show. It's 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 a really cool compromise. And Jordi Belair uh, has been writing Redlands on and off for the last like year and a half, and she's really good at horror. And this book, I think, does that pretty dang well. I think that's really cool because like the. Uh the Firefly reboot mm-hmm. that's happening right now. Also from Dark Horse to Boom now. Yeah, and also a Joss Whedon property mm-hmm. and also has, it, for me, the dialogue in that is pitch perfect. Mm-hmm. Like I know the voice and the character of, and the, the, like the mannerisms of each of those characters as they say things. And I could tell that that's what was going on here. It just doesn't doesn't appeal to me. Yeah, for I sure. I think this, is, this, this looks to me like the perfect Buffy story for a Buffy fan. Sounds like it is too. I think so. Yeah, and I um, I would be. At, it sold out of its first print like a couple days ago. It's already gone to a second print. It's. I don't know. I think that if you like Buffy or have casually watched it, you dig it. There's a scene where she's watching TV and it's got like the Firefly ship on it. I think it is a well done comic on every front. Not for everybody, but uh, a fun thing to revisit. Buffy was kind of an ensemble cast, right? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely Buffy. Um, like, but did you did you read any other comics this week that had an ensemble cast? Oh, I see what you're doing. Like maybe a comic by Donnie <clears throat> Cates. Gordians of the Gordic Sea. And Geoff Shaw. Jeff Shaw. Oh, Jeff Shaw. Can I just stop really quick yeah. and say that these lemon martinis that you handcrafted, Jeff, are a 10 out of 10. Oh. San Pellegrini. San Pellettini. Lemon drop <clears throat> San Pellettini. Bikini. <laughs> With a sort of very dry vodka and a lot of olive juice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, San Pelotinis. Olive juice. Aww. <laughs> Roman, did you get in on this Guardians book? New Donny Cates, Kate Stank left and right, spraying his uh, Kate gas all in on your face. Kate's face. Now I need a towel. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Um, it was, and you know, I was excited for it, and but then I kind of flipped through it and I was like, uh, it doesn't look like a whole lot of happens. I'm not into the art, but then I read it and I was like, wow, this is really good. That is like exactly how I felt as well. I was excited, <laughs> then I flipped through it and I was less excited and then I read it and I was like, oh, nope, this is really good. Yeah. I got yeah. four pages in and I was like, fuck. I finally <laughs> jump on the Kate's train and it sucks. And then like seven pages and I was like, never mind, this is fucking rad. This- yeah. I love the conceit that, you know, Eros, uh, Thanos' brother, gathers a bunch of cosmic people to go over the fact Thanos is dead, but he left this scary last will, last words thing that... I love this idea that... Puts them all on a mission. Yeah. uh, Yeah, this idea of... Yeah. You must understand if this message has been recovered, then I have been felled. And as hard as it is for me to believe a being exists that could kill Thanos, Thanos prepares for everything. Thanos is not, this is not how Thanos will die. No, when I join death at her side, it will be on the terms that I alone dictate. As such, I have taken measures to have my consciousness uploaded and implanted into the mind of another upon my untimely demise. So now the conceit of this is that somewhere out there, Thanos' consciousness has been put into a different body and Thanos lives and we have to find it. Who and, killed Thanos? Uh, Gamora. Gamora did. Oh, okay. Yeah. Infinity. Wars series. Prime, yeah. I just, and like, it, it, they even bring up, like, maybe he's in this room. Yeah, he could be, it could be anybody, because there's no indication that 
the host it's in is conscious that Thanos is inside them. So this like That's fucking cool. It is, dude. <laughs> so this, cool. So it's now like this big mystery of like, can we trust anybody? And where is Thanos? And who is Thanos? And I like to be paranoid. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And this. Yeah, I just I had no idea that that's what this was, and me, me neither. And then and his brother Star Fox, right away they start checking. Okay, who are the most pow- you know, powerful people that Thanos would do a barrel? And, and I was thinking, reading that, I was like, <laughs> yeah, but Thanos would know. If that's the most obvious thing. He's gonna put it in somebody you wouldn't guess. It more and more like you did. What yeah. if it's Cosmic Ghost Rider? Nah, what but maybe. And what if it's Howard the Duck? <laughs> what if it's Omac? <laughs> Wait, is that Omac? Oh, that's, no, that's Gladiator. No, that's Gladiator. Shit, I always get those two confused. It's confusing. Yeah. What if it's Ben? It has the same. Or, <laughs> oh, I mean, we'll see him at some point. Marvel. So he, his real name is like <clears throat> sounds like Clark Kent, and he comes, really? he's the last survivor of his planet until his cousin shows up. Man, Marvel, you're stealing <laughs> Clark Kent. You're stealing uh, Slade Wilson. Ba- basically, monsters. Uh, Gladiator and the Imperial Guard were designed by Dave Cockrum, like in the late '70s, after he already did Legion of Superheroes. So the Imperial Guard is his version, is Mar- his Marvel version of Legion of Superheroes. Okay, I, like I just wish that Galactus was in it more than just sitting on this robot on the first page. Okay, yeah, I got a question be, about that. It could be Galactus. That. That's a great. Maybe yeah. Thanos oh, is in Galactus. God. I got okay. <laughs> I have a couple questions. I'm not the cosmic guy. I'm not either, for sure. I want to be yeah. on this first page. Galactus is standing there. It looks like he's flying a ship or something. Working on his Kirby Galactus machine. Yeah, he's got He's changing the oil on his spaceship. How does he get... Does he have... He has a spaceship? Yeah. He's got... Yeah, this whole, like, weird... uh, Almost a Mobius strip type. Yeah, except it's square. Giant... (laughs) You'll see it in that Hickman Fantastic Four run, several issues ahead of where you are. Okay, because I was thinking about it, and I, I guess I've never seen that spaceship, and I was thinking, when Galactus flies through space... Without a spaceship, because I didn't think he had a fucking spaceship. Does he do it just like standing there and floating, I've or does he like do the Superman with his hands? Up? Yeah, does it? Does he, does he lean back and kind of cooler put his legs than all out? of those things? If I remember the Hickman run correctly, I believe that in his ship they bend reality around the ship, so he actually doesn't move. Oh, like so he's the stationary. The cosmos moves so. around them. Also, when did Groot start actually talking, or is it just That's Peter Quill? That's my big complaint. Is like I, I, I think Groot needs to say I am Groot exclusively. And uh, and okay, so he is saying fuck you. He's not. Yeah. I, okay. It, it was some point in the last year. Yeah, and I, and I didn't read. I assume an infinity, but yeah, I don't like it either. And I don't like his attitude. <laughs> yeah, he's like supposed to be adolescent still because he was he's a got little that guy. Mohawk, yeah, like the movie. And I do like the mohawk. I like that he's like sawing himself. He's like, "Can you quit with the like the yeah. shavings?" And he, he pulls over and he's carved liberty spikes into his head. Like, I you know I can get down with the idea of like rebellious adolescent Groot, but I would rather he still am just is just saying I am Groot. That's a thing that's been a trope for a very long time. Yeah, it's, it seems. And there's no reason to change it. Right. Yeah, and it, it drastically changes. You the can character. you can do it all with just people's responses. But I guess uh, the Black Order shows up and they want to steal Thanos' body, and they effectively do that, and they create sort of a a, a war pull that pulls all of the people that are in this meeting to different places in space and time. Um, but Beta Ray Bill throws his hammer out, and it hits Star Lord's ship, and they pull I'm... them out, and it's Beta Ray Bill, uh, Cosmic Ghost Rider. 
this girl I don't know, and then this other like girl Heather I don't or know. Something. And they're, <laughs> they're hanging from Cosmic Ghost Rider's chain attached to Beta Ray Bill's hammer like they're in the Goonies poster. So, Roman, will you tell us who now the Guardians of the Galaxy oh. are since you know these characters and no one else does? Yeah. Um, Star-Lord and Groot, Beta Ray Bill, Cosmic Frank Castle, Ghost Rider, Moondragon who's an old uh, Jim Starlin character was with the Avengers. I thought it was long. Heather. That's, yeah. her, that's her real name, Heather. Oh, uh, okay. Something. <laughs> I, I thought, yeah, that part got me too. I was uh, like, your and, name's Heather? Uh, <laughs> no offense, Heathers, but... Yeah, it's uh, Moondragon, and, and, and her her partner is... Um, oh, I forgot her name. Oh, Fyla Roman. Bell. She's one of the... She's one of... I think she's Marvel's daughter or something like that? Uh, what I love is like, yeah, Starler's like, they're with me. This is my new crew and has a shot of them and then Cosmic Ghost Rider says, wait, no, 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 no. I ain't signing up to be a member of the damn dot, dot, <laughs> dot, turn the page, giant double page title spread, Guardians of the Galaxy. Did you guys hear the Star Wars theme song go no. when you saw that? I just no. heard <laughs> I heard Lost. <laughs> I heard jing, jing. And I love the way that they, they save themselves <laughs> from the, the warp. Yeah, just better Ray Bill's hammer coming through with Ghost Rider's chain around it, and yeah. like sweet. It's a cool awesome. fucking team. I don't. There is a a person who is orchestrating the Black Order um, that we is revealed on the final page. Uh, I don't think we should spoil that. People can check it out if they want, but I will. I will mention that it is not a character that I care about. It's not I, a character I expected. I, I do. I do really like the character. Yeah. I trust Donnie to make me scared of it. Yeah, I think it's kind of sick. Yeah. yeah, I just that's that pantheon of characters is a pantheon of characters. I, I just really about. hope that Thanos isn't inside Adam Warlock because we've had enough stories with Adam War- Warlock and his evil yeah. self or whatever. Uh, I would give this book uh, uh, an eight point five. I'd give it a, a seven and a half. I'm going to keep reading it. Mm-hmm. It's a little too cosmic for me. <laughs> I'll give it a eight. Like Morty the collector. For a cosmic reference, um, I'll give it an eight point five. I, I'm excited. I dig the cosmic characters. I was developing my. Do you feel satisfied? Do I satisfy you? I am working on this new <laughs> what boy. What is that? that? That's just that. Okay. <laughs> okay. I didn't know if that was a reference. It's, it's Buffalo Bell. <laughs> well, <laughs> the I'm sorry voice. <laughs> I'm working on my nasty monster voices, and uh, I'm sorry, voice. I've realized I can get grosser with it. Oh, yeah. You know, you're making it a li- more liquidy. You got mud in the throat. Yeah. <laughs> Our listenership is in free fall. Yeah. So, right? Immortal yeah. Hulk, <laughs> number 12, Al Ewing, Joe Bennett. If you weren't sleeping on this book. Yeah. If you're driving home and throwing up in your lap, we're sorry. <laughs> yeah, sorry. That's all references to uh, the last three issues of Immortal Hulk, so people should get up on there. <laughs> and it's real nasty. I'm working on it, guys. No, you're not. You gave up because you're a pathetic boy. Whoa. That's how you get him to do stuff. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, I bet you, <laughs> you probably couldn't read it even if you wanted to. No, we tried that. You don't have the issues. Yeah, you can't even get them. You're a bad collector. You're not man enough to have these issues. I guess you don't want them that bad, huh? <laughs> this I, this series is so amazing. This is the most amazing issue yet. Oh. This, this one of the best comics I've ever read. Yeah, I mean, this was hard to get through, not because it's... Like, the usual reason a comic would be hard to get through. This was hard to get through because it was so emotionally affecting. There was three times when I had to had to be like, okay, I'm 
stepping away from this, and I had to take a nap between pages at one point. I would say <laughs> that this is a book that I did read at the perfect time, which is like second book before seven o'clock in the morning. You know, like get up at like six o'clock, start reading comics, but don't make the first one this one. Like lubricate yourself, you know, <laughs> yeah. get ready for it, and then hit yeah. yourself with it when you haven't seen sunlight or people yet. God. I, oh, Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy foreplay before you jump into the whole. <laughs> I Batman foreplayed, which is maybe. Oh Jesus! Yeah. yeah, I, I, got home. Something hit me last night with closing, where I just got this like spontaneous morbid feeling of depression. Like I came home, I didn't want to talk to Aaron, I didn't want to do anything, I just wanted to go to bed. And that's what I do when I get really depressed. I force myself to go to bed. If I go to bed without saying anything, usually Aaron like has to come check on me. That's just like one of my habits. I'll force myself to go to sleep. Like I'm done with today, I'm just done, I'm going to bed. But when I got in there, I had thrown my comics on the bed when I got home and I was like, fuck it, I'll read some comics. I almost sometimes want to just be that depressed. I don't know. Uh-huh. It's just like you There's don't something want something tempting about negative. Yeah, and you're scared to get sure. out. You're yeah. scared if you try to get out because it's push fake back. out there. Yeah, it is. So I was like, okay, I'll I'll give it a shot. And for whatever reason, reading this book like allowed me to see my insides on the outside or something. Like I, there's some stuff about bad parenting, and there's some stuff about family abuse that I think is very specific, but also kind of general like trauma. And the way we internalize our emotions, I think, like, got to a pretty universal level. It was very specific about father abusing sons and yeah. this whole thing. And the, alcohol. And alcohol. Um, oh, predestination. The whole working of the Bible quotes, because the Bible is very, like, kings inheriting. You know, it works on mythic time. So we're The all, amount of theology in this book, but not, like, of a specific line of thinking. Like, yeah. theology, like grabbing of you know like it's all ancient pretty, myths yeah it's all pretty early judeo-christian uh heavy on the judeo like it's old testament stuff but it is so so good um and yeah just like having to do with fathers and sons and the things you inherit it is yeah we we see the first couple moments of bruce banner in his, like, where the Hulk was born based off of, like, the th- things his dad said to him and, like, Gamma. God, I, there's so much that happens in this issue that develops yeah, the Thor mythos. There's some, I mean, it starts off, Hulk, Hulk, yeah. Hulk's still in hell, but it starts off Thor. with this, and as usual, it starts off with all these great quotes. I mean, Al yeah. Ewing just picks perfect quotes for each issue. The Sorry. Um, but at this beginning, a flashback to Bruce's childhood where he's, like, five or six, something like that. And and his dad comes in, and he's all mad because Bruce is making this incredible Lego set that's way beyond his years, apparently, and his dad's mad about that. And there's a panel where it's shot from, like, below floor perspective, looking up at Bruce and his father past him, and just the way Bruce is cowering with his hands clutched to his, his mouth, it's just, so, it's just so sad. It is so and, sad. And you, you feel the fear of a child. In that kind of situation, um, the the extension uh, or the furthering of the advancing of, of the idea of gamma and and what that is and how old it is, but that his father had this theory about it presenting in two ways and then being certain that it presents in a third way yeah. and having this strange moment where he sort of touches that concept and then gives it up, but then 
then becomes this abusive father and it like doesn't manifest in a Hulk persona, but in just a fucking Hulk human, you know? Um, I think like that, just like you said, it, it adds an entire new dimension on the Hulk mythos and what this concept of gamma is. And it like this feels really important to this character. And I was worried as I was reading it that like some writer is gonna write the Hulk after this and just sort of not mention it. You know, yeah. like this is redefining the origin of the character and what the Hulk is. Yeah, and yet building on it's not negating anything that came before because it's building all Peter David's yeah. stuff and it's and that whole when he introduces his father introduces that concept on the blackboard with the gamma is not a wave or it's not always a wave or a particle that it's this other unknown mm-hmm. thing. It's like oh my, that's a brilliant idea. And like the metaphor of like he put the Hulk because he he's jealous of his kid for being brilliant and he that's kind of what he wanted. And the gamma is kind of a metaphor. He he when he looks at him he's like I know what you are. Because he, something about the Gamma allowed him to know that his kid was going to be smarter and take that love away from him. Plus the fact that it's all rooted in actual psychology, you know, with... It's young his, as his, yeah, fuck. Yeah, because the father being, anger's born, like you said, even more so, it's born of fear. And his fear that he's going to lose, the child's going to steal the woman's love for yeah. him. Which, of course, isn't true, but that's the fear. But he's projecting onto yeah, it. Yeah, you project that onto he's your vulnerable child. as a father, yeah. Because, you know we find out Bruce's father was abused and that mm-hmm. all just fits so yeah, well. Yeah, it's passed on. And, and the and the art, as usual, is so amazing. But And it's so crazy that this art works as well here as it does because I don't know that I would be as into this art as I am if it were in a different book. Right, same. Right. But the panel when we get back to hell and, and I forgot McGee when she touches the Hulk and the way he looks at her with the fear in his eyes but then the bottom, the last panel of that page when he looks at her and just tears streaming down his face and he asks uh, why why Hulk have to hurt so much. That's one of the points why I had to stop because I was like, oh my God. Yes. <laughs> his dad has some great lines in here. Um, how he describes, now, now it has you, my immortal son, heavy with the secret third form of light. Just that line. Mm-hmm. Not a great line. Um, so what do y'all give this issue? Woo, I'll give it a 10. I'd give it more than a 10 if I could. Same. Uh, yeah, I would give it a 12 if I could. It was... It was. You can. You yeah. surely can. I, we don't top out at a 10? <laughs> you can do it however Justin, you want. this is our shit. Yeah, that's hey, What true. do you want to give it? You want to give it 100? I want to give it 12 of Jeff Figley's famous lemon drop... <laughs> lemon teenies. San Pelotinis. Uh, yeah, San, yeah, that's it. <laughs> San Pelotini. Uh, you know who loves those? Don Juan Tipitino. Uh, (laughs) Don Juan Tipitino sure does. Uh, I'd put it like 9, 9.5. Incredibly good. As as good as a comic gets, as good as a comic gets without being a 10 and not even, I think that it could be a 10 reading it in the right thing. I think that it's the kind of thing that like, this isn't like, oh, it's Thursday afternoon, I'm going to read this book and it's going to be a 10. Like Grant Morrison has the ability to be a 10 pretty often for me. This one... I think you have to be in an emotional state that would allow it to be a 10, which, you know, maybe maybe it is a, maybe that means it's a 10. Crypt of Shadows was also by Al Ewing, and it was not as good as that book, no. but it <laughs> it was it was pretty good. There Got was a good some, dog story. some fun spooky stuff in it, and it, it it is a spooky book that leaned heavily on the idea of the unreliable narrator, and 
uh, as I was reading, Roman sent us a joke text about all of the books that we read not being as good as Crypt of Shadows, and I interpreted that as him being serious, so I read it, and I was like, really? Like, really? And I finished it, I was like, ah, like, okay. I, I've I, asked myself multiple times, like, should I read Crypt of Shadows? Like, <laughs> is, is it on level Roman really yeah. liked it. I read it. that book. How'd you like it? I liked it a lot. I thought it was pretty good. I thought that it hit that, uh, like, the old school horror comic tone really, really well. It felt like I was reading Creepshow. And that's that's mm. how it felt. Is I, I was like, this really effectively did what it was trying to do, which is to yeah. feel like an older... Sorry, so for context, uh, Marvel, because it's their 80th anniversary this year, are doing a number... What are, what are they shitting out for year 80? They, they've got a number <laughs> of uh, sort of special themed issues like this one. Uh, there is Crypt of Shadows, War is Hell, Journey into Unknown Worlds, Ziggy and Silly Z- Seal, Love oh, Romances, yeah. and Gunhawks. So all sort of like heavy Remember genre books like uh, they used to produce, you know, 70 to 80 years ago when Marvel started. And uh, none of those are super appealing to me. We're not ordering a ton of any of them. What about Ziggy and Silly Seal? That's a Jeff, <laughs> Jeff and Justin book. You're right. right there. That's like Jeff and Justin are going to come in here and their their clown shoe, their jester pants and jester shoes yeah. we've been talking about for a while. And we're going to be hype on that book when it comes out. I give this a 7.5. No, I like a 7. 7.5. I'd give it a 7.5. Yeah. I, I thought it hit the tone that I was obviously going for really well. I yeah. thought that it was a little bit messy by the end. Yeah. I think it would have been just as good with, as three totally separate stories rather than three kind of revisionist story. I can I, can I mention War is Hell real quick? It's well, not just a second. Did you have a thought related I, to that before? I was just going to say you would you gave it a 7.5. Yeah. Or you gave it a 7. seven you gave it a 7, seven with a little half. chili on it and then what did you give Crypt oh. of Shadows? Did I, you, did I didn't. You? I'll give it a 7. Okay. Just want to know. Five on the Richter scale. Um, Marty scale. Man, war is hell. I only read the first half of War is Hell number one. I read the Howard Chaikin part. Um, Oh, you like like Chaikin? Some of it. Oh, he did the the pictures too. He did the drawing. And and I probably would not have liked this if he hadn't drawn it because his writing without his art rarely translates well for me. But it's basically a story about a Nazi – pilot who really, really likes jazz music, which is a no-no because jazz music is made by black people and Jewish people. And uh, Is if, Howard Shaken Jewish? Yeah. Okay. Good. Because he does things motivated by racial prejudice a lot. And if he were just like I your think, standard Caucasian white dude, it would, it would feel... He also sets it in a time where even though it's offensive language now, it's period appropriate. Right. I feel but like I mean, that's true. his like his little saving grace. He Yeah, it's how he gets away with it. Yeah. Right. But yeah. he seems to really like those days of politically correct insensitivity. Yeah. Yeah. Um that said, this was a really interesting story. Uh it's only half the issue. I didn't read the second half, but I really enjoyed the uh the story of the Nazi pilot who loves jazz and how he knows he could be killed for it, but he's like, nah, fuck it. I really like Django Reinhardt and I really like jazz music. And, you know, he gets called out a few times and he's like, nah, this, this is what I like. I'll, I'll sh- I got 28 kills on my record. Fuck y'all. But, but, but in a German accent, Ficken Z. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think you inspired the story in any way? Yeah, pretty sure. I met Howard Shaken was there more than once. once and, uh, more than once. You guys hit it off. Yeah, we hit it off. Is I'm there a pool sure. boy in there? There's no pool boy because uh, <laughs> they're in pool Germany. Boy. Oh, pool boy? Like Justin. Like Justin. Yeah. There is. There actually is. Like a uh, drooling invalid pool yep, boy. Yep. He's the guy that keeps telling Why him not to listen to Why do you hang out with this pool boy? <laughs> 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 
I don't know the German word for pool, but yeah, he's in there. Okay, good. <laughs> Splashing Z. Dude, I loved <laughs> Naomi. I also really loved Naomi. Didn't get a read. <laughs> I didn't think I was going to like it. It's a, it's about characters that don't generally, like an age group that doesn't generally appeal to me. And, I agree. Uh, all, all the stuff that I read from uh, from other people who read it the night before Wednesday, a lot of people are kind of down on it. They're really? Like, yeah, this, this should have happened in four pages. And I don't know, man. This, this book nailed it for me. I think that it was... Fantastic. Roman, you read it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was excited about it because I think the art is amazing. I was about to say the art The is character insane. design is awesome. Yeah, and he's and doing they're this, just people. They're, it's a lot of just people work, but um, in action sequences, they all have like a white border around them, and the colors are this muted, glossy, but not in a gross gloss. Like, the, the coloring is a, a thing to behold. The art here yeah. is amazing. I've never seen this artist do anything. It's really incredible art. But the it's just classic Bendis, um, you know, B- Bendis adolescent people. But what's so special about this is this character, Naomi, um, is an adopted teen. She's a person of color. And Bendis's daughter, like, has an adopted daughter in the exact same situation. And the, He's the, got a handful of adopted kids, He does. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And what really hit me is there's this scene where she's been going to this therapist for a while and they're sitting in the therapist's office and Superman fights Mongol very briefly in this town where they live where nothing has ever happened. Like and, 12 seconds worth of fight. Yeah, but she's really enamored by it and keeps trying to you know figure out what's going on and she's, her character design is awesome. She looks amazing. She's this strong, super badass girl. Um, but this therapist was like, yeah, you've got a little bit of the Superman syndrome and she's like, no, I don't want to be Superman. And she's like, no, it's not that. It's that... Superman was adopted, and then after being adopted, finds out he was adopted, finds out wh- who, what his real life was, and realizes that he's special. And that's, you know, like the sort of the fantasy of an adopted person. And uh, not from the context of a parent of adopted kids, that wouldn't have necessarily fallen in this, the, the same mm-hmm. right way. But to <clears throat> me, it felt incredibly informed. It felt incredibly, uh, you know, pertinent, uh and important. I don't know. I, like this character is an amazing character. I I love her just after one issue. Her curiosity and her you know sort of uh, s- not stubborn but strong nature. Yeah. This this book. I, I liked how mundane it was. I guess with like superheroes are in the backdrop, but it's just this kid trying to figure out what happened because she she missed the cool thing that that happened in town. And, um, yeah, like, I don't know, I liked it. Roman, what do you think? <laughs> um, you know, I'm, re- I'm usually kind of down on Bendis. This, I don't think anybody else, not anybody, everybody could have written this because I think if somebody else had done this, it could have been too paint by the numbers, trying trying to be, re- trying to, you know, I'm trying to be writing relevant. a relevant story. <clears throat> right. Um, instead of just simply being relevant. The art is so good. Yeah, it, it is for the most part. There was it's funny. I liked all the stuff you guys did, but then there was, well, I guess it's just one page or a couple pages where they do that thing that always distracts me so much, and I hate where there's they use the same background. So the, and then the same two of the panels are the exact same poses for the characters, but it's different dialogue, and I'm like, come on, that's lazy. Yeah, I noticed that. Like that is a it's a stock image behind these four things, and. 
I don't know. I, I did notice that. I was like, this. why isn't this bothering me? Because yeah. it did. I was like, that is a thing that if this weren't executed this well, it would have bothered me. Um, I think I think my even bothered me a little bit more because all the rest of the art in the issue is so good. Yeah. So innovative in spots and then that. <laughs> yeah, to me it was almost like an intentional just like the background people of this life are so mundane and this is mm. so normal that they're not even worth looking wow. at. Like it's not a thing that exists but the youth changes. These characters that are, you know, aware and these characters that are living this story change but everybody else is this weird, no one is saying a new thing. No one is giving them this story that she's searching for. It's just this stock people and – I. I, for some reason, the story made me want to write a reason to defend that. If uh, that makes I sense, like the, I like I like that approach. And in the beginning, when they're walking past all the people who are looking at the destruction from the battle, all the people are kind of grayed out, like yeah. they don't matter. This is a story about her and her friends. Yeah. And I think that that the the panels that you're looking at are kind of similar. Like, okay, you know, there's people there, but they're inconsequential. They may as well not even be moving. Yeah, you're super not wrong, but for some reason this book just had a heart that made me want to to like it. And there was one panel that really bothered me. What was that? In this whole book, it was a panel of the the boss at the restaurant talking to Naomi. And the zip tone. The uh, the half tone dots behind them yeah. are used wrong. Well, and I don't th- know about used wrong, but they definitely tried to do a thing there that may or may not have worked. The, the, like the halftone dots should be different sizes or different oh. colors, unless based they're on intentionally the, trying like to make level. it look like that. Yeah, it. The rest of the issue used them really well, though. That one jumped out as a mistake to me. Yeah. You're right, because it looks like there's some kind of weird floor to ceiling screen right behind her. <laughs> yeah, and and the rest of the issue used halftone dots in really really interesting ways. Um, and uh, Jamal Campbell used like did the coloring and the yeah. Pens and which is amazing. This, which is so cool. Well, I was thinking that like this person would do f- like a fantastic job of just doing coloring. I would love oh, to yeah. see them coloring other other stuff. But I'll let them draw too because it's awesome. <laughs> and of course, it's in our favorite part of the country, the Pacific Northwest. It's in Port Oswego, which I thought was funny because there is an Oswego, Oregon, but I don't think it's on the ocean. Yeah, I would give this one a nine. I think it's really awesome and really uh, a, a very cool tone. Would you give it a niner, Morty? Listen, Morty, <laughs> that burger's going to go cold if you let Hamburglar run around town with that paper sack all goddamn day. All right, all right, all right, all right. Listen, Rick, uh, I give it oh, a... Oh, fuck. I give it uh, an eight. <laughs> Good Lord. Jesus, Jango, you're pretty gross. Listen, if you can be Morty, I can be Rick. I mean, the other way around. Hey, listen, everybody, we are not Mar- doing Rick and Morty bits. Doing fuck that. Marty. We're oh doing God. Marty from Marty. True oh, Detective. Marty. Marty. Oh, fuck. I'm, I'm really sorry, guys. I thought you were idiots all day because you, <laughs> you were making Morty jokes. You now just I know think you're we're Marty idiots jokes. all day. <laughs> Does Rick or Morty go, all right, all right, all right, all right? I don't know. I don't watch that shit. I hate it. <laughs> I've never seen either show. All right. True Detective is worth watching. I've never seen yeah. True Detective. I've never <laughs> seen Rick and Morty. Huh. Book looks watch cool. Detective. What do you give it, Roman? Uh, I will give it a seven and a half. Nice. Seven and a half. Nice one, bro. And, and the and the it does someone have the Wonder Twins? No, but the other DC, Wonder Twins look awesome. Dude, yeah, the Wonder yeah. Twins previews are. I I don't usually read those previews, but yeah. thumbs up. I don't either. Can I throw in a real quick yeah. nod since we're talking about Mark? <laughs> 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 Sorry, <laughs> Zoom tight. 
man, I got a big old loogie on my arm. Gotcha. Um, that's not a loogie, baby. That, <laughs> listen, yeah, Marty, yeah. that's not a loogie. Oh, we call yeah. loogies Martys. That's uh, Times a Flat Circle. That's a uh, love stain from the yeah. future. Well, I'm never going to wash this shirt again. <laughs> Does it um, smell like Marb 27? <laughs> <laughs> I need cigarettes now. <laughs> just, just to speak of the art in Naomi, the art in this issue of Avengers, since it's a flashback story, well, not a flashback, it's a story in the past of the Iron Fist, the primordial, prim, not, uh, pr- prehistoric Iron Fist. Um, primordial. Primordial, yeah, sure. Primordial. The art. Primordial. <laughs> the art in an issue of Avengers is by Andrea Sorrentino. Oh. oh, it's so... I flipped through it multiple times today. It yeah, it's is very hot. cool. You didn't hear that. I was which, on the clock I, working hard the whole time. Yeah, which I didn't quite realize until we got to a page where I was like, wow, this layout is just like Gideon Falk. This oh, is the same artist. unlike exactly. any Andrea Sorrentino stuff we've it's, seen. It's a pretty good... It's a pretty good Except for the shading on that mountain right there. It looks there, like a, uh, Assad Ribic colored it. There's a page later where it's it has insane. the weird panels that kind of fall down into each other. And that gem bear. That art is real special. Yeah. That gem bear. I was just surprised. The gem bay? Gem bear. Like that big old resonant no, drum no, that like, kind of pear shapes in the middle? No, like gem there. Jim's there. Like gem bear. Hey, bang yeah, that gem bear yeah. for no, me. No, Jim's over Let's there. Let's start Jim a prayer bear. circle. Uh, hey, Jim's bear. Right there. Jim bear. But you know, I had a gym bear for a while, but I had to sell it when I was moving. Right on. We could add a gym bear session. Like right on, right you, on. You, me, some brewskies. Absolutely. Some get naked in our underwear or whatever. Get a Roll couple of gym bears. Get a little doobaroo. Yeah, doobaroo. Don't mind about doobaroo. Jim bear. So, what did you get, Roman? Yeah. Oh, Avengers. <laughs> uh, I'll give it an eight. It was actually, the story was good, and I didn't think I cared about the the uh, primitive Avengers, any of the members, but that was a good story. Well, if you put Andres Sorrentino on the art. Yeah. it's. Uh, I want to talk for a second about Uncanny X-Men Annual Number 1, written by Ed Brisson, art by Carlos Gomez. This uh, is the annual? It's better than all of the ten issues of the series that led up to it. Um, by leaps and bounds, Cyclops back. We didn't know we were pumped that Cyclops was back until he used his optic blast to burst out of a gravestone. Um, very cool time travel stuff. Um, man, the X-Men are real just almost too much time travel. But we got sure. young Cable killing older Cable, going back in time before Cyclops dies, putting this thing in his body so that when he dies, he'll siphon off this Phoenix energy and he'll be able to be reborn and then come out of there. Um but it, it was really cool because it just shows this early moment in Cyclops' career where he saved this guy's life. And the guy was like, if I can ever, like, I have a wife and a kid. And if there's anything I can ever do to repay you, let me know. Ten years in the future, Cable, Cyclops' son, goes to this guy and has him, you know, go good on that favor to build this technology for him. And I like that sort of time travel uh, honoring favor flat. type thing. Time to flat Man. favor circles. Like a flavor disc. The extra dimensionals pair down and look at you while you're undressing. While you're on the toilet. While you're eating hamburgers. I smoke (laughs) cigarettes and eat burgers on the toilet. When I'm inside. (laughs) On the toilet. Uh, but yeah, it's I, I'm like this issue just made me super pumped for Cyclops to rebuild the X Men. Uh, and look at how fucking it's so like Cyclops looks cool. 
Wow. He do. He's in his original, well, not his original, but a cool black or yellow and, you it know. Looks, it looks kind of like the Cassidy. <laughs> yeah, it is. Rod. It's very yeah. Whedon Cassidy. Yeah. It just looks really cool. And I was like, fuck yeah, give me my X-Men back. It's been 15 years. Is like, he really that much taller than Cable or are they trying to see That's Cable's little kid height? Cable. Oh. Oh, Cable's okay. dead because young Cable got him. <laughs> I thought they were trying to make him as short Just as he was. Just crown on the toilet like a card. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, y'all. I got to poop and cry. <laughs> toilet seat is a flat circle. <laughs> Just toilet. <laughs> toilet. <laughs> get out, hey, get out the toilet. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever seen Justin cry from laughing before, but we got a good tear moment. You've never said toilet in the laziest way possible <laughs> yeah. before. Uh, so toilet Uncanny, so Uncanny X Men was an eight. Listen, I've talked about like eight books, and they've all been either seven point five to nine point five. Like week, I hope baby. that those two. That no, I just I I start and end between an eight and a nine. So. Uh, Jeff, what about that other book with all those half tone dots on the cover? Listen, man, you can't tell somebody that they use art wrong. <laughs> Fuck you. You're the problem, bro. They weren't using art wrong. They were you using said, graphic design wrong. I'm going to use that as our intro on here. He used halftones wrong. Halftones aren't art. That's not so. <laughs> They're graphic design. Comics are a progressive art medium. You can use it however you want. That's like when you were saying that Andrea Sorrentino uses art wrong four years ago. With those oh, rocks. Oh, with a little tiny. Yeah, like yeah, people do like a it. thing progressively until it becomes a thing. Uh, I'm still saying they used the halftones wrong in Naomi. You could just say you don't like the way they used it. But don't because tell somebody it it's wrong. wrong. Yeah, and like every progressive artist was using it wrong until they redefined the thing that they were doing. I'm going to get a hold of this uh, Jamal, Jamal Williams. Wa- Williams? It says Walker in the cover. Um, Avant-Garde by Carly Ustin, illustrated by Noah Hayes, colored by Rebecca Nalty. I'm going to uh, ask if it was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's interesting is he did uh, halftone dots as that person was talking a couple pages later when it's like a nine-panel thing. Um, but they're like fading up. Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure, for sure. Some of them are knocked out. Homeboy just tried like to they should have been. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and if everybody did everything the way they were supposed to do it, life would be very vanilla and very efficient. I read comics to see people do things how I would do and them I if I read could them. <laughs> I read them to see young teens go to new schools and make new friends and join basketball teams. Um, that's actually not why I read comics, but I did want to check in with this book. Uh, and I think that this book is pretty good if if not kind of that same story. It's kind of the same type of story where, like, adolescent goes to new thing and is learning how to fit in. And, um, like Sky High? Sky High <laughs> or, like, any number of boom books <laughs> come out. But, like, Kurt Russell's in Sky High, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, hell Linda yeah. Carter. Wonder Woman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Gal Gadot is Wonder Woman, Roman. No, Gal Gadot the is an artist. Wonder Woman. <laughs> Scotty Young Scotty is an Young artist. Scotty Young is an artist. <laughs> oh, wait, shit. Scotty Young's a writer now. Uh, that's true. Never mind. But he's an artist in the way he does Zip stuff. is an artistic tool. Um, mm-hmm. This book is pretty cool. Graphic I mean, design tool. Mm, for art, yeah. What's, is there, is this it like is a, a comic manga? Book. Yeah, it's it, sort of like a western sports manga without being super sports, although it's supposed to get it. This is the same people that did that book, Heavy Vinyl. Okay. That it was a little no. bit more up my alley because it pertained to art stuff. But this is, um, like a lot of other books that I've read that 
aren't necessarily a thing that I love a ton, but I do think that there is an audience out there that really does uh, like this type of book, which is sort of that learning to fit in or learning how to be comfortable with yourself and meet a new social group or learning how to push your own boundaries. And uh, it seems to be a really common type of book right now, which makes me think that there are a lot of people that want it. Um, Do you think that they're younger than you or just a totally different like mindset than you? I think both. You know, I, I think that it, it has appeal to some other ways, but she goes to a new college and, <laughs> hey, boys, she's walking around the uh, activities fair and she walks by a booth that says Dungeons and Dragons and then she walks by one that says higher art and they're using a bong to hold flowers. She and big <laughs> She boy again, bro. Bong. Bong. She bong. She has a big head. Blast off. I was trying to make a bong sound. Django, yours was way Whoa, better do than that mine. again. <laughs> he, looks, he looks adorable when he does it. Yeah. It's a lot like a cricket. But the cricket um, goes... Not a thing that I was super clamoring for, but I do think it's for people out there. I would personally, for my personal interests, give it a six because I think it's kind of a, a thing that has been done a fair amount. But if you're looking for this type of book, it's there for you. And I, I don't think that this is a, a poorly done at all, except for those zippet tones. I like them on, on the, the cover, cover motherfucker. They're different colors and different sizes. How many flat circles would you give it? Uh, How many flat circles are on the one, cover? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. There's a lot of them on here. <laughs> Do they look like flat and cheese? When does the song break down? Twelve. Twelve. <laughs> <laughs> so Roman, so, Olivier, so, 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 so this Olivier, Olivier, man, these which actually start cracking, which actually starts Sorry, off with me. a flat I circle. I hope I think in the future. Oh, yeah, in the future, flat circles. <clears throat> oh, time is a, a sideways clock. Is what he's trying. <laughs> time, time is on time a, is a broken clock. Oh, you tell time on a clock. <laughs> broken clock laying on the street somewhere outside of London. And this is Oliver, right? Like based on Olivier Twist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Eric Derek Robinson's the artist. Oh, Gary, Gary, Gary Widow is the writer. I'm not familiar with him. But yeah, starts off that's some unspecified future. London's been destroyed. I mean, and this character is walking into London and he passes, you know, London Bridge, goes to Trafalgar Square. Oh, liver. Oh, liver, where art thou? Good segue because this character goes into the center of town. There's these people that all look exactly the same, living in tents. She takes off a radiation suit. It's a woman, pregnant. And all these characters are named after, they get their names out of just books off a shelf. So they're named after Shakespeare characters and different Oliver Twist characters. Yeah. Um, she gives birth, dies, this this little baby. With, there's something wrong with the baby. Oh, because the baby doesn't look like all the rest of them. And you find out that in this future, there was a war. England figured out how to grow their own army. And then after the war, and whoever they, it doesn't say who they were fighting. There's kind of hints. Maybe it was the USA. Um, after this war, there was a bomb dropped, destroyed London. There wasn't really a winner. Just the war stopped. It's almost a mod target. And whatever the rest of England is like, they put these soldiers they grew, they just left them there in the remains of burned out London because London's all radiated. These soldiers can survive there because they were bred for that kind of thing. But regular people can't. So this baby's born. This baby isn't like them. For one thing, it, it was bo- he was born of a natural birth, wasn't created. So that's where we kind of end up: is this kid be, g- 
getting to a certain age and realizing, you know, I'm so not like the rest of you guys. What's going on? So this sounds like the opposite of Sweet Tooth. My yeah. big complaint on this, and it might be part of the story, is that this kid is a baby, and then it says three years later, and he's running around with hair jumping over buildings. Like, am I to believe that that's a three-year-old, or is he growing at an abnormally quick rate? And we got your classic Jackson. Yeah, was it, yeah, was it only Williams. three years later? It says three years later. Hmm. Well, that is either a mistake, or maybe there's something mysterious about this kid that he's not totally natural. He grew up real fast. Real fast. I mean, the main thing, so far, the only connection really... Dickens all over twist is okay. This kid's an orphan, just like all these other people he's living with are orphans, and it's in London. <laughs> so it's not just a straight up no Oliver it's, Twist adaptation. Yeah, like that that recent comic, um, Olivia Twist. That's a straight up adaptation of Oliver Twist, but but in a steampunk in a future with a girl in lead. Yeah. Yeah. Is there There's, weed in that one? <clears throat> in the lead. Oh. <laughs> steampunk girl and weed. I was like, I didn't know that went by me. <laughs> Um, I have no interest in rereading Oliver Twist, but you saying that this is not just a rehash of Oliver Twist and the art really makes me kind of want to read it. Who who wrote it? Yeah, and maybe it's not, not someone I'd, I'd known. And maybe it's not. Yeah, because they get his name Oliver. At, it's not even out of the a Dickens book. It's out of uh, one of Shakespeare's books, I think. Maybe he just made a mistake in naming it Oliver. Maybe, yeah, maybe it's just like a reference because they pull yeah. out a book and they are trying to name people after Shakespeare characters. So maybe. Was it was it pitched as an Oliver Twist story? I thought so. You know, so. now I'm wondering if I'm, was it? Because now I'm wondering if I just assumed that. I, I may have also assumed it. Or maybe that's a red herring. Eh? Anyway, it, it, the, the art is, is gorgeous while still having that classic Derek Robertson kind of. Like a little grotesque. Yeah, and not like. Frank Quitely in grotesque, but just sort of like rushed grotesque or something. Yeah. 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 yeah, like the flashback scenes in the war and the devastated London <clears throat> is beautifully drawn. I would agree with that. I give this one a 6.5. I'll give this one a 7. I'm very curious. I think next time I see Derek Robertson at a convention, I'm going to get a commission. What happened to your career, bro? Oh. <laughs> no, I'm going to get a commission. I'm just going to ask him to draw, draw somebody handsome. See what happens. <laughs> uh, you know I can't do that. Real funny, bro. <laughs> he, uh... He shouted at me across a convention one day. Nice. He said, I created you! Because I was dressed <laughs> up like Spider Jerusalem. I got shy and ran away. <coughs> Classic Django. Mm, you know. Me a pool boy. <laughs> Did you say pool boy or po' boy? Both. 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 I always need a po' boy. <laughs> Both of them. Is that everything, guys? Oh, this is the one I was oh, thinking Jesus. of that has the mystical stuff that I thought you uh, did. All right, word. you got uh, two minutes to talk to me about Shazam. You want to do it at the same time? Yes, please. Yes. I liked it. <laughs> I, I, I liked it as well. <laughs> Better More than, than number one? one. Okay. There's some creepy stuff here, especially with Savannah. It's my favorite thing in this, Justin, you'll. I, I wanted you to... Uh, have you read this? No. <laughs> you got to read this because we find out here Savannah, he's got that weird eye with the like magic lightning in his eye. Just like Odin, he sacrificed it to gain knowledge of this this grimoire. Grimoire. How do you say that? Grimoire. Grimoire here, and it, it looks like it's going to be pretty cool. I like and he's grimoire. only forty here, and he tells that to and a, Justin a doctor. And loves a narrative yeah. where someone yeah. loses an eyeball. Yeah, That's sort of his kryptonite. This guy, uh, yeah, but he looks like he's ninety, <laughs> but he's actually forty. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I really the doctor, like, what happened to you? And he just ignores the. Is question. the Sivana character related to the Miracle like Man doctor? I feel like they look the same. Uh, the Miracle they Man do. Doctor is based on 
Doctor Savannah. Okay, so that was yeah, because Savannah, yeah, because the whole been thing's based the off 40s. of like Captain Marvel. Okay, yeah. has yeah. this Doctor Savannah always <laughs> had uh, a bookworm in his ear? Not always, but Mister Mind is another old Shazam. Okay, yeah. okay, so there, that's like who a was team involved up. in Fifty Two? He was one of the masterminds behind Fifty Two. I kind of remember that. I really like that the, all the kids are going to uh, one of these seven different lands on subway cars from the from the nexus okay. of the I, Shazam I, I do thing. Too, and I wasn't going to read this, but now I'm going to. It's and the, pretty good. It is. Santa Claus, it is. Lots Zane. of magic, and the fact that the the boarded off subway tunnel <laughs> is Monsterland. That's where the Society of Monsters is, which in Sav- oh, Captain Marvel Savannah okay. stuff or Shazam stuff, Society of Monsters is his. They're the worst team of supervillains around. Oh, really? I don't know anything about Shazam or Captain Marvel, is but it, I, I, I'm digging this. The Wizard and Shazam supposed to be based off King Solomon too, which would fit. I think so. See, that's a, you got to yeah. read this because Solomon comes up in this a lot. Fuck, I love first, King Solomon. Yeah, just like Solomon's very important in here. <laughs> Tear, tearing babies in half. <laughs> and the art's fine too. Yeah, yeah the art's, the good, art's the... fine. Yeah, Upper. this this was a lot less Jeff Johns to me. Hmm. <laughs> Jeff Johns. Jeff Johns. Jeff Johns. What do you guys give it? Seven. Six and a half. Seven. Seven. Listen, everybody can come Definitely over to my house and have po boys after this. Po boy. I'm in. I got to smoke cigarettes inside. Um, I'll give it. I'll, I'll go to eight point five. Oh, I got a bit of a drinking problem. <laughs> and that I'm not drinking right now. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. <clears throat> oh, wait, no, no, you can't. <clears throat> Boy, do you guys, uh... This podcast was better than last episode, right? Yeah, yeah, the, I mean, you know, like... We're lit, Django. We're <laughs> fucking lit. We, uh, we got that, uh... This is like a police interrogation room vibe to me. <laughs> you sound like Marty. I gotta get off this fucking toilet. <laughs> How did I why I'm on this toilet so long? I'm drinking wine and sitting on the toilet. Duh. I gotta ride this shwasted out on this toilet before I can get in my Lincoln. <laughs> All right, it's ladies and gentlemen, please give us a call. Uh, one... Six one nine six six three seven three three six. Do you have a Matthew McConaughey impersonation? We'd Please. love to hear it to us. <laughs> Dino? No, 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 no. Hang on. Phil? Phil? <laughs> We're looking at you. We want to hear your Matthew McConaughey. It's crazy that since we got this pap cave, this like juicy pap cave. With the that, signal? Yeah, this, and this pap signal and this pap cave. that and we, the blue ribbon. It has a cybernetic producer droid in it, and we <clears> haven't needed... Young Master Philip, so I miss him. I, I know. I just like voice. I think the monitor. He got, I think he got mad and left when I called him P Hill. Yeah, well, who wouldn't? It's it sort of implies that we pee all over him. Um, oh, that's not what I meant at, at the all. time I'm of sorry, this recording. Phil. We have not gotten up the uh, Customer Appreciation Day podcast because oh, whatever. My life, whatever. <laughs> but by the time this podcast is up. It will be up. And Listen, you will hold your breath till it comes up. It'll happen. It'll be in the feed. Back one, back one or two, or like it'll be back one on the before feed. this one when you see How it. How did I get all this <clears throat> lipstick on? <laughs> My bad. Uh, go ahead and I'll over you. <laughs> send us a review. Yeah, oh, that was all terrible. Right, all right, send, all right. send us a review on uh, iTunes and slow baby or podcast about... <laughs> Apple Podcasts. Slow. Right, that's what people use. Yeah, so I mean, I like just your podcast app. Your also, if you're having any troubles with your podcast app or things on like loading or not doing that or anything let us know we had a couple people mention that we don't come up in their feed we would love in like feedback on that because we're trying to work a couple bugs out uh, this machine 
is continuing to roll on out. Right computer all right. We're rolling like an old Buick. Uh, and we're going to just keep making more podcasts for all of you. And yeah, that's let us know good. what you want True Detective Season 4 to be Spoilers, by us. Nick Pizzolatto has sort of sort of said, Pap Boys, um, I want you to Get just sort of cast. smear out a, a script for me. And just sort of like give me, uh, you know, a what you want. So we're going to do that. We want your feedback on it. And if Nick doesn't get a hold of us and you guys give us feedback, Justin and I will write season four of True Detective with everyone's story ideas in it. It's already in the toilet. <laughs> it's already in the toilet. And by that, I mean in me getting ready for the toilet. <laughs> the gestation. Uh, I'm Marty. I'm Rick. I'm Russ. <laughs> he didn't even have to change his no. name. No, he's whiskey. Better than all of us. <laughs> There's whiskey in my whiskey. <laughs>